You're listening to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast, episode number 45, How to Create an Overwhelm Smashing Marketing Plan with our guest, Heidi Thompson from Evolve Your Wedding Biz. You're going to want to grab a pen and paper for this one, rock stars, because Heidi is breaking it down for you into five easy to follow steps that are going to leave you excited to up-level your business and create a marketing plan that will last you for the next 90 days. So what are you waiting for? Let's go. Welcome to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast with your hosts, wedding planner and educator Renee Dallow and blogger and social media strategist Mindy Marzek. Listen in as they bring you the best, brightest, and most honest industry advice on the internet. Their mission is to help you, wedding rock star, work smarter, not harder. Hope you're ready because it's time to rock your wedding biz. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rock Your Wedding Biz. This is Mindy Marzek, and I'm here as always with Renee Dallow. Hi, Renee. Hi, everybody. So today we have a very special guest on to talk about creating a marketing plan. Uh, Renee, do you have a marketing plan? Let's not point fingers so soon in this episode, <laughs> shall we? We're not even a minute in, you guys. I mean, come on. No, I do have something that I do, but I, I'm curious to see uh, what what Miss Heidi wants uh, wants tells us we should be doing. I think that we're both very happy to have Heidi on as a guest today, talking <laughs> about marketing. So please welcome Heidi Thompson from Evolve Your Wedding Business. Hi, Heidi. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi. Thanks for being here. So Heidi, we're going to talk about creating an overwhelm smashing marketing plan, because if you don't have a plan, you're going to be overwhelmed. That's the rules. <laughs> but before we get into that, Heidi, just take a couple minutes to tell us about your business. Tell us how you got started. Tell us what you do. Tell us all about you. Yeah, so I help wedding professionals grow their businesses without going crazy in the process. That's my MO. And I do that through my business, which is Evolve Your Wedding Business, as you said. And I have a podcast and uh, my membership where I work with people in groups and one on one, where all my trainings are, is called the Wedding Business Collective. And the path to this point has been kind of a weird one. I'm <laughs> sure most people's are. And it really started with me working in nonprofit events and really enjoying, you know, putting together these fundraising events after college and thinking, yes, events, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. And then I started working under a wedding planner and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. This is kind of intense. <laughs> That's so great. True well, words were never spoken. <laughs> and as much as I enjoyed it, it was like, good God, do I want to do this constantly? And right. that's when I realized for me, it was less of the events and more of the marketing of them that I found to be really interesting. So fast forward, I've worked in a bunch of marketing roles and marketing literally everything from beds to universities to poop and really? yeah yeah actually <laughs> i feel like that's a story for another time maybe <laughs> no i think like that's a whole other episode <laughs> and um 
I noticed that where I was living, I was in the UK, everything that the wedding media was putting out was like white, fluffy, Cinderella. And that was the exact opposite of what people were looking for and what they were trying to do. They were trying to go a much more offbeat bride, rock and roll bride kind of direction. So I saw that as an opportunity to start a wedding fair to bring these quirky vendors and couples together. And I spent a bunch of my time coaching my vendors on marketing. And that's when I realized not everybody just enjoys reading and learning about this stuff. So I could really bring these worlds together. I love that. I also think, you know, when people start their wedding industry business, no no one ever considers the marketing of it. They just think, I'm good at this thing. So since I'm good at it, someone should pay me for it. And they don't consider the in-between, which is how people find you and how you position yourself. And there's a lot within marketing that I think people don't realize when they start out. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you were paid on talent, you'd be a billionaire, but nobody can pay you if they don't know you exist. Aha. Uh-huh. Amen. There you go. I love it. So I'm just super impressed that you're just like, I'm going to create a wedding fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it like, was kind of crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, good for you. So let's talk about creating a marketing plan. What is, first of all, let's talk about why every wedding professional needs to have a marketing plan. So a marketing plan, like pretty much everything I teach anyone to do in my business is going to make things easier for you. And I think a lot of people think, oh, I have to sit down and put this plan together. It's going to make it more difficult. No, it's going to help you focus. It's going to reduce overwhelm because you know exactly what you need to be doing. It's going to help you do more of what works and less of what doesn't. It keeps you organized. It actually helps you stand out from your competition because your marketing is intentional and not just like, oh, what do I do? I got to post something. I'll just post this. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean, we've all you. been there. We've all been there. I feel personally attacked, Heidi. No, I'm kidding. I'm... No, as a social media coach, I see this all the time. I mean, that's why people come to me for a smaller you know, social media marketing plan. So, and I always talk to people and I'm like, well, if you don't have an overall business marketing plan, how do you know what you're going to do on social media? It's part of the bigger picture. Right. It's why are we here? What are we doing? What are we trying to accomplish here? Because that's going to obviously drive what you post on social media. Yeah, exactly. So In a nutshell, it just makes your life so much easier when you actually have a plan. It's like the CEO part of your brain gets to delegate this to the worker part of your brain, and then you just have to execute on the plan and you don't have to stop and think about it. So I can already hear our listeners listening, thinking, I don't even know what a marketing plan is. So can you take us through just the basis? What should a marketing plan be and what should it contain? Yeah. So I think a lot of people think of a marketing plan as this like big amorphous document, kind of like a business plan. But really, there are only five parts that you need as five parts. is good. Yeah. And it's pretty simple and straightforward. It takes work, takes some effort to put it together, but it's pretty simple. And I'll give you the rundown and we'll go through them. But the first part is your goal. So Exactly what I was just saying about Mindy's work. Why are we here? What are we trying to accomplish? 
So when you can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, please. When you say when you say goal, is it like goal for the year, goal for your lifetime? Like what? How how do we pick that goal? So there are a couple pieces I like to look at for that. One is really defining what success looks like for yourself. So yes, kind of big picture. You know what is your goal, and then you have your annual goal. But what I think is actually more important is that you break it down into a ninety day goal as well, so that you can ninety day. Take, you know, you know what has to get done this month, next month, the month after. You can break that into weeks. It makes it more digestible. Okay. I like that. That already sounds a lot easier to me. That sounds kind of like what I do. So I'm feeling less, less bad about this now. I feel good. (laughs) And there's a lot of different ways to do this. This is just a framework I have found works well. Sure. Okay. So you have your 90 day goal. Then what do you do? Okay, so you're going to set your annual goal, your 90-day goal, and then that takes you into part two. And this is the part that's really my favorite. And I will say, of these five parts, everybody jumps to part four, but the most important parts of this are parts one through three. If you don't do these, your marketing doesn't work. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. So so we have number one is to set the goal. Mm Mm-hmm. And then number two is what? Two is your research. And this breaks down into a couple different areas. So first and foremost, your ideal client. Who are you trying to attract? Who are you trying to book? And what's really important to me and the whole process that I've developed for this is really looking at who these people are as human beings and not as demographics, because knowing that someone is between 25 and 45 and lives in the L.A. County area, well, what what are you supposed to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll even go one better with uh, I know many people listening are big fans of Jasmine Starr, as am I. But if you ask Jasmine who her ideal client is, she talks about some fictional woman who sells like goat milk soap. Who lives that. like on a lavender farm and in- which is it's amazing and it's super evocative. But I'm like, who do you? Where is that person? How do you find her? But like, like then you have a target. True, and you're not just like, hey, everybody, who wants to give me money? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're try- trying to get away from hey, everybody, <laughs> to hello, one person. Yeah, yeah, and the way I do this. And the process I wrote about in my book, Clone Your Best Clients, is focused on identifying the best people that you've worked with, the people that you wish you could clone and you could work with over and over and over and you'd be the happiest person ever with all these little clones. So really what I teach people to do is not just identify those people, which is super helpful in thinking about you know who they are, what do they value, what do they care about, what are they really into, like what are they huge nerds about? But also interviewing them and really asking them questions like, well, what was really important to you about this package that you booked with me? Why did you decide to work with me over someone else? What was really important to you here and there? So you get a feel for how they think because these people will give you this information and you can build your framework for marketing off of it. You've already worked with them. So you're just trying to get more of them. See, I, I can I can tell why people skip this step though, because what you're saying sounds scary. Yeah, I get especially it. Especially to my introverts. I mm-hmm. totally get it. And I think 
this, if you look at this from a perspective of being curious and trying to be a detective, I think it becomes a lot easier because there's less of a weird pressure of like, what if they say something horrible about me? They're not going to do that. You know, (laughs) you hop on a call with someone, they're not going to be like, well, you were terrible. (laughs) Nobody actually tells people that kind of thing to their face. So (laughs) don't worry. So Heidi, you recommend actually calling people or or doing a face-to-face or could you do something like a survey monkey, like survey online? Yeah, you could do any of those. I prefer to talk to people purely because we edit what we type a lot more than we edit what we say. That's true. And if you can hear the way someone describes the way they perceive you, you can use those words in your copy. Whereas if they're trying to, you know, edit to fit into like a box on a survey, you may not get those kinds of insights. And when you're doing something face-to-face or over the phone, you can ask follow-up questions based on a response. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the, like, that's where the gold is. Because you can have generic questions on a survey. And don't get me wrong, like, I have, I have client surveys that I send out after, um, you know, work has been completed. And they're very valuable, but nothing can beat that, like, a back and forth conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. It allows you to dig deeper, especially when you have that flow of conversation and they just say something and you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a sec. What do you mean by that? And then you can, yeah, you can just dig deeper that way. I like it. Okay. So it's a little, step two is a little scary. That's step two, right? Well, we've got more in research, but that's the Uh only thing. Uh That's the only Uh thing that requires you to talk to anybody. So. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay. All right. So research involves interviewing your past perfect clients, the ones that you really loved and the ones you want more of. Mm -hmm. And then what else is involved with research? So in your research, you also want to research and analyze your competitors and not so that you can compare yourselves to them, but so that you can strategically differentiate yourselves from them. So you want to look at, you know, who they are. Yes. But also, you know, what is it that they're offering? Who are they targeting? How are they marketing? You know, are they all super focused on Instagram? Does that mean you need to be on Instagram? Yeah. But does that also mean that they're missing a big opportunity, say, over on Pinterest that you could take advantage of? Yep. You bet. Yeah. Makes sense. So this really allows you to see where the holes are and where your competitors are differentiating themselves. So if you have a competitor that's, you know, targeting this specific ideal client, and they're totally different to your ideal client. I mean, they're not really a direct competitor in the same way that someone who is targeting someone very similar to you is. Yeah, I like this. I mean, normally, you know, anyone listening who also reads my blog is going to be like, I can't believe Renee's agreeing with this because I just recently wrote a blog post about do not like shop your competition. But I agree. And, and I don't think we should be shopping, but I do agree that you kind of need to know where you stand in your local landscape. Yeah. And, you know, if you're trying to stand out, if you're trying to effectively make yourself into a category of one, so like there are all these wedding planners and then there's that one that is like Mm -hmm. the perfect fit for me. And I don't even think of them in the same group 
as everybody else. They don't work with everybody else. They work with people like me. Then you have to be aware of what everybody else is doing. Doesn't mean you should copy it. Doesn't mean you should copy their pricing. Please never do that. But you have to, you know, really look around and just kind of analyze that. And I love this too, because what just what you said is so key. It's like you really have to be aware of everyone and 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 also self-aware of yourself and your business and how your business is perceived in relationship to other to other businesses in the same market in the same category. It's brilliant. And how you want to be perceived because you may, mm-hmm. in your heart of hearts, know that you want to work with you're a photographer and you want to work with tattoo loving couples that don't want to cover up their tattoos and really show them off. But is that coming across in your marketing, on your website, or are you kind of watering that down? Exactly. So from there, we have a handy dandy tool, which I'll have to describe since I can't show all of you visually, but uh, it's called a SWOT analysis. And if you want to Google what this looks like, it's S-W-O-T. And this is four boxes. And from left to right at the top, you have strengths, weaknesses, and then left to right at the bottom is opportunities and threats. This is a super, super simple tool that you can use on your business as a whole, on the marketing that you're doing currently, on the marketing you're doing in a specific area, on your pricing, on your competitors. You can look for the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats anywhere. And this becomes a really simple way to process all of this information that you've just taken in about your competitors as well as what you're currently doing. Interesting. So is this, I'm just trying to picture it, is it almost like you print out a piece of paper and there's four boxes on it Mm -hmm. and you write down like your strengths and you write down your weaknesses in each of the boxes? Yep. Yeah. And you could do that for the business as a whole. You could do it for a particular package that you're considering launching. So basically anything for your business, you just can use this and it helps you visualize where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are. Okay. And really, I mean, any weakness that you're going to list on this can be flipped and can be turned into an opportunity. So you Mm -hmm. can see where the gaps are. You can see opportunities for you to close those gaps so they're no longer threats or weaknesses. They are allowing you to provide something that is going to be useful. I love it. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. So I also really like two more things in this area. One is research. One is kind of not, but I put it in this anyway. So (laughs) one is a buying cycle. So every time you buy something, you go through a cycle. You go from, I don't even know what this thing is, to I need something to solve this problem, to, okay, I see what my options are, to really honing in on each of those options and seeing which of them is going to be a good fit for you. And within this as well, so you have those stages, but you also really want to be aware of where your clients are coming from. A lot of people are not aware of this, and it means that you can't double down on what's working because you don't know what's working. Right. And also knowing when they come to you so that you can engineer your marketing in such a way that you are giving them the right message for what they need at the stage that they're at. So 
what someone needs to hear during engagement season is very different from what someone needs to hear a couple months before their wedding when they're freaking out that they didn't hire a planner and now they need a day of coordinator. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think of even the buying cycles. If, if you're listening, you're, you're thinking, I don't understand what this is. Think about the last major purchase you made in your own personal life and what buying cycles you went through. It's the same exact thing when someone's booking a service or a package for their wedding. Right. And I I mean, my microphone is right in front of me. Before I bought this, I was like, what is a podcast microphone? I don't even know. <laughs> and then, oh, okay, I need one. Let's look at my options. What does this mean? What does that mean? And you're kind of figuring it out and analyzing it as you go. And then you make a decision. Yeah. So knowing the stages that exist for them, when they come to you and where they're coming from are all incredibly important pieces of information. And then the one I kind of just fit in here because it's important to know is what do you need help with? So where are you going to need help, guidance, assistance, support, someone on the ground to help you enact your plan? Maybe you really want to improve your SEO over the next 90 days. Maybe you have no idea how to do that. Okay, I need to hire someone who can do that for me so I can take care of the things that I need to take care of. So what are the things that you need help with. I love that. And that could be a virtual assistant. It could be someone like Mindy, like a social media strategist. It could be someone like you, Heidi, a business coach. And that could be anything. I think so much solopreneurs think like, oh, I have to do everything myself, which is never the case. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I've been going hard on in my content lately because I am so big on buying your time back so that you can mm -hmm. function as the CEO and not like the secretary of your business. Oh, I love that. Be the CEO, not the secretary. <laughs> so true. All right. So that's part two. That's research. Awesome. And research for any plan is going to be probably the biggest part. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to think about and a lot to go over, but all really, really, really good stuff. So, okay, we've done all of our research. We have all of our data. Now what? So we go into part three, and this is the last of the prep stages. And once these prep stages are done, you tweak them a little bit, you know, it's every six months, every year, every five years, if you're changing things, but these pretty much stay the same. So this isn't something you have to do all the time. Okay. But in your messaging, which messaging is just marketing jargon for the thing that you are communicating with that grabs someone's attention. So it's telling them how you solve their problem, why they should trust you, uh, why they should choose to do business with you instead of anybody else. So this is including things like what's your niche? Who are you the go-to person for? What kind of language makes sense for attracting your ideal client? And what do people need to hear and when do they need to hear it? Hmm. This is all of your copy, you know, all of the, the communication pieces. And even simply knowing who you want to be the go-to person for is going to make all of these questions a lot easier to answer. Okay, so we're talking about things like sprucing up your About Me page on your website, sprucing up how your packages are worded, the, like... Are those examples? 
Yeah, it's also your emails. It's also how you show up on social media. You know, what is, what are you trying to communicate? And how are you really trying to set yourself apart in order to attract the right people to you? Because I mean, the way that you're going to market like a late night infomercial product is very different than the way you're going to market a planner package that costs $10,000. Right. (laughs) They just differ in their messaging. Of course. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. So that makes sense. Like once you have, have done the research, you know who you're talking to, you know how you need to set yourself apart from the competition, then you can figure out how you need to communicate to your potential clients. And that includes your website, your emails, even your email signature, uh, your social media captions, the thing, the photos that you post, things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, what language are you speaking? Right. And who are you speaking it to? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Got it. So those are the three parts everyone skips. And those are the most important parts because <laughs> there's the foundational pieces that make this next part possible. And the next part is, I just call it the how. It's what are we doing now? So this includes first and foremost, what I call your channels and channels, platforms, whatever. Where are you going to market? Are you going to be on Instagram? Are you going to really work on your SEO? Are you going to use Facebook ads? Are you going to use email marketing? Knowing this ahead of time helps avert shiny object syndrome because you've made the choice, but you've only made the choice for 90 days. What you're doing here is really running a test to see which of these platforms works best for me. And you don't have to be on all of them. You don't even need a huge plan for each of them because this plan that we're talking about still carries across. You're still targeting the same person. You're still speaking the same language. So where you show up is really a relatively simple decision that you need to make. Gotcha. So do you feel, do you really feel like 90 days is enough time to, to really see results like that? It depends. It really depends on what you're doing. For certain things, yes. For others, no, you would want to continue it. But um, I tell people to limit their experiments to one per 90 day period. So do the things that are working for you. Do them more. Do them harder. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're already working and they'll probably work more if you get more strategic about it. But, you know, you're allowed that one experiment every 90 days. And if you want to extend it, cool, extend it. But I think it gets really mucky when you're like, I'm going to experiment with everything and I'm not going to look at the data that comes back on this experiment. (laughs) Right. That was my question. I was going to say, what is the measure of success for something like a 90 day marketing plan? I guess you have to set your goal in the beginning and then figure out what what that success looks like to you. Right. Right. And looking at where did that success come from? Did it come from where you were hypothesizing or did you get a ton of referrals out of the blue that, okay, maybe you really need to optimize your referral marketing. Maybe you need to meet with people who are your referral partners more often to try to leverage that. But I think simply making the decision of where are you going to be and the tactics for each of those. So where are you going to be and what are you going to do? This takes so much guesswork 
out of the moment of actually scheduling an Instagram post. Yeah. Because you've decided, okay, I'm going to post uh, four times a week on these days. And this is the kind of content I'm going to post on each day. Maybe you have categories. And you can figure out what assets you need. So do you need to make graphics? Do you need to edit any images? Do you have to record any video? Do you need to record a podcast? All of these things you know ahead of time, which then allows you to say, okay, I am going to set this day or these hours aside to create these things so I can get them done and I don't have to worry about them. I love everything you're saying. I'm thinking about my own when we started and Mindy asked if I had a marketing plan. Um, you know, I, I do. I do a similar thing to what um, to what you're suggesting. I think it's important when we're thinking about the marketing, though, and I, you know, as people listening are thinking like, oh, this sounds like a lot. 90 days isn't that that much time in your business. But also things change and shift and new opportunities will come up that you'll have to you know, incorporate into your marketing plan. So I feel like 90 days is such a perfect amount of time because you can see the next 90 days in your business. But I would never make a marketing plan for me now for like fourth quarter. Right. Because you don't know. You have no idea what's going to happen. Right. 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 And you don't know. You don't know what's going to work for you between now and then. Like maybe something totally takes off for you. Yeah. And by all means, dedicate more resources to that. Yeah, I really like the principle of just like figure out what's working the best and then double down on that. (laughs) It's so simple and it cracks me up because like the number of people I get who ask me things like, should I keep paying for wedding wire? Should I do this? Should I do that? Like, is it working for you? Have you done everything you can do to make it work for you? If the answer to those is it's not working for me and I've done everything, then no, stop doing it. <laughs> yep. Sounds so You easy. can do that. <laughs> you heard it here, kids. Should you still be advertising with people who are not giving you any ROI? The answer is no. <laughs> yeah, it works for some people. It doesn't work for other people. You test it. And based on the results, I mean, you really don't even have to make a decision. It's kind of made for you in the data. It is. I also love that you're saying test it, right? I think as solopreneurs, sometimes we're so afraid to go out on a limb and just try something for, I mean, sometimes yes, maybe you have to commit for a year uh, with something like a wedding wire ad or something. But honestly, like there is no, it's your business. So there's no shame in trying something, giving it your all and then going, hey, you know what? That didn't bring me any ROI. I'm going to try this thing now. As long as you're dedicated to trying for a specific number of predetermined time, I think there's no harm in And just testing things out, you just never know what's going to stick sometimes. Yeah. And I get that it's scary, but I try to take the approach to failure in general, like a scientist. So if you tried to cure cancer and the first time it didn't work, I mean, you're not going to stop and you're not going to be like, (laughs) I'm awful. The worst. (laughs) I don't know anything. (laughs) Like, no. Okay. That didn't work. Let's try something else. I feel like Heidi has like a camera in my office or something. <laughs> I feel very, I feel very seen right now. I like, know you're right. That's you're not to say totally right. That's not to say I don't do that. I will do it to myself sometimes, but I'll catch myself. Yeah. And be like, yeah, no. Get over it. You just ran a test <laughs> and it didn't work. Big deal. Uh, so Heidi, is there any final thoughts about creating a marketing plan? Anything else that you want to add? 
yeah, so you have this plan, you're working it, and it's all good and well, but if you don't know how you're doing, you can't make an informed decision on how to change. Like, you know, if you're mixing stuff in test tubes and it doesn't explode and it doesn't do anything, you don't know. Like, did that experiment work or not? So you have to really decide ahead of time. This is really the idea of putting this marketing plan together ahead of time is taking away the decision fatigue in the moment of you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to figure out if it worked? We're going to make these decisions now. So what are you going to measure? What is important for you to measure based on the goal, based on what you're doing as part of your plan? Maybe that's leads to your website from a certain source. Maybe that's bookings from a source. It entirely depends on what you're trying to do. And then possibly more important, how often are you going to do that? Is there going to be an appointment in your calendar every week, every month, so that you can stop, check the pulse, see what's working, see what's not working, and adjust? Because there's really nothing worse than continuing to spend your time and money on something that is not working for you. And then you find out, you know, a year later, oh my God, if I would have only looked at my Google Analytics, I would have seen that this wasn't working at all. So Heidi, how often do you think people should check? Because I know it's like when you're losing weight, they say, don't weigh yourself every day. Should I be checking my Google Analytics every day? Nah, I would say once a week at most. Um, I would say once a month at the least. Okay, that seems doable. Yeah, and it's more just making it a regular practice for you so that you can make decisions based on this information because you have in front of you feedback from the market. You have information that can make you better, but if you don't stop and actually look at it and put it to work for you and see, okay, what is working? What can I do more of? Where am I not doing so well? Maybe you have a ton of people coming to your website and none of them are converting. Well, that's the one thing that you have to focus on. You don't focus on all the things. It's just fixing that one leak. Yeah, I love that. So walk us through the five steps again, just bullet point them. Number one is setting goals, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Number two is your research. So your ideal client, your competitive research. Number three is your messaging. So who are you talking to and how are you talking to them in all of the places that you're marketing? Number four is the how. So specifically, what are you going to do and where are you going to do it? This doesn't have to be super granular. It can be something as simple as I'm going to post on, I'll go with Instagram again, uh, Monday through Friday, every day. And these are the types of posts I'm going to do on each day. Even just making those decisions is going to help you so much. And then measuring. So how am I going to measure this? How do I know if something is working for me or if it's not working for me. And then what can I do with that information? It sounds so easy when you say it like that. <laughs> like, okay, we'll just go do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Thank you so much, Heidi, for sharing these tips with us. I really love, like Renee said, how it's broken down into simple steps and I'm totally going to um, apply this to my business and some aspects of my business. So thank you so much for being on. Uh, Can you tell everybody where they can find you? 
Absolutely. So my main website is evolveyourweddingbusiness.com, where I actually work with people is over at theweddingbusinesscollective.com. And because you're awesome podcast listeners, I'm going to hook you guys up here. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, when the Wedding Business Collective is open, I often offer a 10-day trial. And I want to give your listeners a 30-day trial so they can hop in. They can jump into – I have a course specifically on this that goes super in-depth of all the little pieces of creating your marketing plan. And uh, we'll have the link to that in the show notes, but the coupon code is going to be Rock Your Wedding Biz. Yay. Have all that in the show notes for you. Thank you so much, Heidi. Thank you. That's awesome. My pleasure. So thanks again for being here. And oh, also, do you you want to give a shout out to like your Instagram or anything like that? I am Evolve Your Wedding Business everywhere, and you can find my podcast in iTunes, Spotify, all the places. That's the Evolve Your Wedding Business podcast. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was so much to think about. I feel like everyone needs to listen again with a notepad and take your <laughs> notes and do your marketing plan and because uh, this is a great way to start the year as well. So thank you again, Heidi, so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And of course, the conversation continues in our Facebook group listeners. So if you're not already a member of our private Facebook group, the Rock Your Wedding Biz Podcast Insiders, please join us. We're going to have Heidi on hand to answer some marketing questions this week. And we would love for you to jump in and tell us about your marketing plans as well. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. So please keep the comments on Instagram coming. We love it when you show us through Insta stories that you're listening to the podcast. We love it. We love it. We love the reviews on iTunes. Uh, We love the Facebook comments. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And we will see you guys next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Rock Your Wedding Biz. This episode is sponsored by Moxie Bright Events, wedding planning for creative couples and industry education for creative event planners. Also sponsored by Joy Social, teaching smart social media strategies for awesome business owners. You can find Renee online at moxiebrightevents.com and reneedallow.com. You can find Mindy online at joysocial.net. Jump into the show notes at rockyourweddingbiz.com and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Wedding Biz.